Healthy Growing Churches, ministry coaches that help your church launch new life. In today's podcast, we'll begin to listen to an interview between Beth Ellard and Tom Plank. Tom is the chief catalyst for Healthy Growing Churches. Tom will talk about what a healthy church is, some success stories, and the challenges that we're going to see in the future. Tom will talk about cohorts that we're looking at starting with multiplication, with dying to restart, and turnaround churches. The consultation process is covered just a little bit in this interview, and some emphasis on dying to restart as not only a book, but also a cohort that's a resource for you. What I think you'll hear in this interview, and anytime you listen to Tom, you're going to hear that he has a heart for the church, that he really cares. It's not just assessments to figure out what things need to be done. It's a joy and it's a privilege to be able to move the meter forward on multiplying the church, on growing the church for Christ in today's environment. We hope that this podcast will be useful for you as, as you listen to Tom's heart. And we hope that Healthy Growing Churches can somehow reach out and help you start new life. Hi guys, welcome to the Healthy Growing Churches podcast channel. Um, my name is Beth Ellert and today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing our CEO, Tom Plank. How's it going, Tom? It's going fantastic. Glad, mm-hmm. to, be, uh, glad to be on the podcast today. Glad to be kicking this off. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to interview you because I plan to ask you the good, bad, and the ugly, and the embarrassing. So um, oh just, let's get ready. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I uh, I understand that you have just recently sort of assumed leadership of healthy growing churches. So um, tell me about kind of how that all took place and tell me about um, the previous um, leader and, and all that kind of stuff. Just tell me all, all about that. Yeah, well, that's a that might be a podcast in and of itself. So yeah. I'll try to give you the uh, I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, HGC started. Uh, it's been probably close to 11 years ago now. Um, uh, HCC's founder was uh, the leader of a network of churches in the state of Florida and was doing some incredibly uh, innovative things and um, uh, began to get requests uh, from around the U.S. and even around the country. And so uh, it felt natural to uh, create a separate organization as he jet set it a few different places with the opportunity to engage networks of churches and churches and pastors and so uh, that was at least that part the genesis of uh, the start of healthy growing churches very cool so tell me what do you think about greg wines now (laughs) (laughs) greg wines one of the things that i say about greg wines who's now assumed leadership of healthy growing leaders is he's a unicorn uh engineer (laughs) turned seminarian turned pastor turned church planter turned uh, leader of a network of churches uh and in the middle there somewhere i decided to go back to school get a phd and uh, as a psychometrician uh so he's i don't know of anyone i don't know if any, I, there's there just can't be any other psychometrician that has that background in, in ministry and especially church planning so uh, Greg is a dear friend and still very much a partner in ministry, and it was very much an honor to assume leadership of uh, HGC full-time uh, about a year ago. Who is Tom Plank? Who would you say that you are? And 
why is church growth and engaging leaders in churches so important to you? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, well, you know, as far as who I am, um, you know, um, you know, at my core, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, you know, I've worked really hard over the years to uh, do that first. Um, you know, when I think about being a dad, being a husband, being a leader in the church, being the pastor of a local church, being a leader like of a ministry like HGC now, you know, if you don't get that piece right, uh, a lot of things um, don't go the way they should go. So at, at my core, I'd like to be able to say follower of Jesus, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I mentioned husband. Uh, my wife and I have been married, working on 27 years. I have two fantastic uh, biological kids, a uh, son that's 22, a daughter that's 18, and they're all figuring out life. And I recently... Um, with well, a good a foundation though right I mean, they have sure a i'd like foundation. to think so yeah i'd like to think so absolutely and then this past summer we um god gave us a second daughter my son got married so we have two daughters now so you told me a little bit about how healthy growing churches got started and, you, and about its founder greg wines and how you got involved so in your own words can you tell me what is a healthy growing church? And is that an anomaly in um, today's society, especially in the United States? Or what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a great question, Beth. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there's lots of ways to answer the question of what is a healthy growing church. There's lots of paths that you could go down. I, I think the one that I would choose to go down today is just to say that, you know, a healthy, a healthy church is a church that's on mission. Mm -hmm. And when you race to the core of what mission looks like, it has to include the great, uh, the great commandment and the great commission. So I think when you have a body of believers, irregardless of size, shape, philosophy of ministry, what it looks, smells, or feels like when you're uh, engaged, you know, with that congregation, if it's if it's living the great commitment or the great commandment and the great commission, then I think it's it's well on its way to being healthy because it's hard to live into loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, and it's hard to live into the words of, you know, there's multiple places where we, we get that great commission idea, but, mm -hmm. you know, go into all the world and make disciples. I mean, there's pieces of that. If you're really living into that, people are walking to and across the line of faith and being discipled and then making disciples of others and engaging their community. I think that that body is well on its way to, you know, to be healthy. I think, you know, a few years back, you know, we probably would have described a healthy church as uh, through the addition lens. In other words, if the everything, the nickels and noses are up and to the right, this church must be healthy and it must be growing. I think today, you know, with heavy, you know, being heavily influenced by the conversation that's swirling about around exponential, you know, it's, it's really, as it's, it's about that. Obviously we want to see, you know, um, you know, more people engaged. We want to see more people serving in ministry. We want to see more people, sh you know, showing up to whatever it is that we're doing. But, you know, I think for us today, it's, you know, is the, is disciple making happening, happening to a third, fourth generation of reproduction and, and is the church planting churches? I think yeah. we've kind of moved the meter on, uh, you know, what healthy is, or, you know, I think the scorecard in so many ways has, you know, has changed for us over the years. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see a shift that is happening in the church today from just 
you know, sort of this come and see model and getting butts in the seat kind of a thing to, yeah, how do we really equip people, empower people and send them out? And so that's one of the reasons I really love healthy growing churches and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, the yeah, staff- you know, Beth, recently, uh, Pine Tops uh, Foundation released a study, which I'd highly recommend. You can get it at thegreatopportunity.org. And there's tons of takeaways from that particular research that they did. And, and they, they pulled the group together to study this because they were trying to figure out how to best steward the resources that God had given them as they invest in pastors and churches and ministries. But, you know, typically in a year, we plant about 4,000 churches in North America and Canada. Uh, and about 3,700 close, so the net gains 300. So that's not even keeping up with population grade, uh, right. rate. So the study says basically that if we're going to reach the, the the growing population and the, the you know the floods of people you know that are you know turn 18 and leave the church, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have to plant probably close to 8,000 churches a year. And so I'm just convinced that if we're going to get to that kind of a number, that it, it, we're not going to get there if it's if it's um, initiated by the, a denomination or even some of the phenomenal networks that we have out there today, like Stadia and Arc and New Thing Network, it's going to really require grassroots, grassroots movement of established churches really wrestling to the ground. What does it look like for us to multiply as well? I think that's, that's the only way we get there is if it extends, you know, way into and throughout the, you know, the, the church across, to, across our country. So with regards to all of these statistics that we see that the church is in decline and that obviously we've got to plant 8,000 churches, <laughs> what, every year um, in order to keep up with population and all of that kind of stuff, do you really believe that healthy growing churches can make a difference in that and how? Well, there's, there's several answers to that question, Beth. Uh, you know, our passion, our mission is to engage churches um, engage leaders to be healthy to multiply and so you know, there's a variety of ways that we're getting after that uh, this fall we're going to be launching some cohorts what we've discovered in the last couple of years is we've done some significant work with a few networks around the country a few networks of churches is if we can get pastors having the right conversation we get movement mm-hmm. we get movement toward healthier churches we get movement toward disciple making we get movement toward church reproduction we get movement that sparks new life and so you know our cohorts are really designed to be just that it's to circle pastors up uh, and put a leader in the mix and and make sure that they're having the right conversation because we know if we can get pastors having the right conversation we get movement so cohorts is a big part of of you know this a new push on on our side at least the cohort work that we were doing was for some network of churches but we're kind of launching out to provide some cohorts on our own so i'm really excited about that that'll be one of the key ways that we engage you know pastors and churches going forward the second way is through uh, a consultation and a consultation is designed to help a, a local church really discern current realities in other words, one of the metaphors that I often use is a, an HGC consultation is a is a real deep look under the hood. Mm-hmm. And you don't sometimes, you know, as a pastor, a board member or a layperson in a church, you don't know what you don't know. You don't you can't see what you can't see. Right. And so an outside set of eyes is going to be incredibly helpful in not only discerning current realities, but helping a church craft their best path forward. 
so the consultation is a significant way that we engage churches. And then finally uh, is the coaching dynamic. Um, you know, whether it's uh, coaching inside a cohort or coaching that would jump outside of a cohort moment, but certainly following that consultation, coaching has been a key dynamic, um, you know, for us, you know, from the beginning and continues to be a significant way that we, uh, that we engage, engage leaders. So going back to the idea of cohorts, what types of cohorts do you offer at Healthy Growing Churches? Yeah, so this fall, we're hoping to launch three different types of cohorts to really uh, help pastors take a, a specific journey. Uh, the first one that I would, uh, would mention is uh, Dying to Restart. Greg Wines and one of our network pastors at HGC a few months back published a book called Dying to Restart. And it's really uh, the story of one church and some other stories are woven in and some practical uh, uh, pieces to what it look, yeah, what it looks like for a church to make the courageous decision to die so something new can give can be born. That's the story of Dan Turner, who's a mm -hmm. pastor just outside of uh, Washington D.C. Um, interestingly enough, you know what started North uh, uh, Northwest um, journey was an HGC consultation, and you know to see the story that God's offered theirs has been incredible to watch, but. You know, when you look at the number of churches across our country that are on plateau or decline, uh, when you look at the 3,700 that die annually, uh, dying to restart is dying with a purpose. Uh, the purpose being the launching of something new, leveraging the resources that are there, whether it's a facility or some people or re you know money. And so dying to restart uh, will happen in two phases, cohorts will happen in two phases. Phase one will be, you know, six months long will be for those folks that are really trying to wrestle to the ground. Is this a, is this a path that God wants us to, to walk? And then phase two be another six, um, six month journey would be for those who are kind of walking that process out because leading a congregation toward, you know, that, that courageous decision of dying to restart is, a, it is a journey. And, so I'm excited to offer that. Uh, you know, we've we've done some of that work with uh, with a few churches, and it's been incredibly, um, you know, life giving to to the pastors and leaders uh, that we've engaged on that front. So I'm really excited about the D2R uh, cohorts. The second kind is really interesting, Beth. It's a it's a multiplication huddle or multiplication cohort. Sorry, we call them multiplication huddles where we're working with some of the network churches, but we have some real data points and experience with our multiplication huddles. Uh, matter of fact, just uh, just this week, I was in Lima with uh, one of the network of churches that we're serving, and there's been you know several multiplication cohorts in that region in the last couple of years, and they have really been the spark of some actual multiplication ventures that launched this fall and in early 19, which is really exciting. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we challenged a group of pastors just to flip the question from should you multiply to how will you multiply, and then we created this intentional path to kind of help them figure out what that would look like. So it's been really exciting to watch God use the, the multiplication uh, cohort in uh, the network of churches that we serve in the Midwest. So I'm super excited about, you know, providing that opportunity. Because again, if we're going to see 8,000 churches launch, we need some established churches to get circled up and really figure out what it looks like for them to uh, to multiply. And then the final one is, is for turnaround uh, pastors. Uh, you know, if you have a church that's in plateau of decline and need a new, of a new life cycle, um, we've created an intentional um, journey for a pastor to walk to really, you know, figure out what it looks like for them to to launch a new life cycle. We're calling that turnaround cohort. So excited about all three. I think all three serve 
very specific needs in the church and uh, could be great resources for uh, for pastors. So really excited about launching those this fall. Yeah, I think those sound really amazing. I almost wish I could be a part of one myself. Well, we'd be glad to get you in one. <laughs> um, I do know with the Dying to Restart book, especially that that is available on our website and on Amazon and basically wherever you can buy books. Um, so that's a really great, um, that's a great resource. I read it in detail because I helped edit it. And so it really encouraged me, even though I wasn't in a situation where I was in a church that was in need of a restart or to die to restart again, that book in and of itself is still incredibly encouraging. And I will say along the lines of the cohort idea, what you see happening in that book, one of the things you see at least, is that another church partnered with Northwest to help um, bring this, this about. And it's really cool, the cohort idea of partnering with other um, ministers and other ministry leaders and things like that and working together because you just get this really beautiful influx of ideas and and thoughts and things that you can apply. And, and so you, we definitely saw that, I think, happening with Dying to Restart. So I, I'm excited about the cohort idea and, and just what comes out of that and the stories that come out of that and then being able to tell those stories to people. So kudos yeah, on that. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, Beth, it's, uh, you know, I've been, I was, I did 21 years of local church work in Cincinnati, planted a couple churches, helped a couple emerge. And, you know, I, I stepped into this role with HGC a couple years ago, full time, maybe two, two years, two full years in November. One of the things that's just been completely overwhelming to me is the high percentage of um, pastors that I bump into on a weekly, you know, a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are just discouraged. They're frustrated and they feel isolated uh, and they, they feel like they're asking way more questions than they have answers to execute on. And so, you know, at, at my core, I, I really, you know, for at least this season in ministry, feel really called to be a pastor's pastor. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I think that those dynamics, and I haven't done the statistics. I can't tell you if it's seven out of 10 or eight out of 10. I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a high percentage of the pastors that we're interacting with. And, you know, they, they need a circle. They, they need somewhere where they can, um, you know, find encouragement, find tools, find resources, uh, you know, uh, have the right conversation. Um, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's one of the key strategies for the church uh, going forward, for sure. Absolutely. And then we, you also talked about consultations. So how does the Healthy Growing Church's consultation process look? And um, how is that process perhaps unique from other ministries doing sort of similar work? Yeah, you know, that, that too, Beth, is probably a, a whole podcast. But So let me try to fly at 30,000 feet, give you kind of the high points. Um, it really happens in what I would describe as kind of three phases. Phase one is really preparation. And so there's a significant amount of work that a, that a congregation or a local church needs to do before we ever get boots on the ground, you know, with a consultation team to, you know, to do a consultation weekend. And most of that is wrapped up in what we describe as a self-study. And a self-study is, um, you know, a, a pastor and a team that he or she would put together uh, to, 
you know, pull together a variety of different data points. There would be some assessment work that would be done. There would be some assessments on the church. There would be some assessment work done on individuals, mostly with paid, you know, paid, paid or unpaid staff. Uh, and then digging around in the church's history, you know, numerical history, financial history, staffing history, those kinds of pieces. We would encourage part of the self-study as well for there to be a couple focus groups, you know, among the staff and among the leadership board of the church. When they get done with all of this work, you know, they put it in one document. It, typically, it ends up being 15, 20, 25 pages. So the multiple data points, uh, which is, uh, you know, intriguing when you get that, when that finally hits your inbox to, you know, make your way through that self-study and you feel like you you really have a pretty significant snapshot of where, you know, where a church is. Second phase of that is actually the consultation weekend where typically we'll spend the better part of Friday uh, meeting with the staff, uh, take the pastor and his wife to dinner. Because if you really want to know what's going on in the church, Beth, you go to the pastor's wife or spouse, right? Wife or husband, depending on the, the context. And then in the evening on Friday, we'll do a couple of focus groups, depending on the size of the church. Uh, again, from the, the time we, we, you know, we uh, decide to do a consultation with the church up until, you know, probably midday on Saturday, we're big time in listening posture. We're not giving answers. We're not mm-hmm. making suggestions. We're really trying to take in uh, and listen deeply to, um, you know, the things that we're seeing and hearing. Saturday morning, we like to spend with the, uh, the, the, lead, the main leadership board of the church, whatever they call it, elders or trustees. And again, you know, we're, we're in full on listening posture, really trying to hear the heart of the church, uh, see where there's vision, where there may be a lack of a vision, uh, really see if we can, can perceive, understand and hear, you know, areas of unhealth. And then we'll do lunch on Saturday with, uh, with the leadership community of the church so probably pull the staff back in the board just do some relational time again just trying to listen and then saturday afternoon beth it's really where we do some training and by the time we get to mid-morning on saturday we have a pretty good idea of some recommendations that may need to be made and so what we're trying to do on a saturday afternoon especially on a sunday morning when one of our team will preach is really provide that apostolic prophetic and evangelistic dynamic for a local church because what we know to be true when churches get on the back side of the life cycle there's they have certain things in common um, there's a lack of catalytic leadership uh, there's probably a lack of when i say when i talk about uh, prophetic and evangelistic apostolic voice i'm not talking necessarily in the charismatic sense but i'm talking about in that vision and the missional dynamic and reaching people and all those kinds of kinds of pieces. And so with the training on Saturday afternoon, especially the teaching time on a Sunday morning, we really feel like it's our opportunity, especially in churches that are on the backside of a life cycle to really provide that apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic voice that's probably been missing. Right. And so Saturday evening after we do the training, we'll grab some dinner as a team and then um, really hole up somewhere and really, you know, process through everything that we've seen and heard and try to put together um, some recommendations for a congregation. So uh, when we wake up Sunday morning, we have a pretty polished set of recommendations that we want to share, probably with the pastor or maybe the board or maybe a representative from the board. Mm-hmm. And then in some form after the Sunday morning service, we would share those recommendations. And we've done that a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's just handing it to them when, when folks, as folks leave, sometimes it's sharing it with the whole congregation. Uh, really depends on the situation but 
you know, we would we would make some recommend recommendations then. And then at that point, Beth, you know, a church has really two decisions to make. One, do they want to access our portfolio of resources or do they want to and try to figure it out on their own? Or do they want to get in covenant with us and we really walk them through implementing the recommendations over a couple of years? Um, you know, the original one of the original questions you asked was what sets HGC's process apart? Because obviously we're not the only ministry out there that's engaging churches in this kind of a way. I think there's a couple things that I would say. Uh, one, I would say that our uh, process is is very research oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, uh, you know, I tried to talk you through in a real fast way some of the, the multiple data points, places that we're getting information as we try to take a look under the hood of a local church. But you know, I think that sets us apart in a lot of ways. We're not coming in with a pre-built system and say, if you'll install this system on your hard drive, um, you know, you'll be a healthy growing church. You'll be well on your way to making disciples and, you know, planting other churches. Uh, for us, it's, you know, every church is unique. Every church has, um, you know, uh, a piece to it that, you know, we may not have seen before or may not have bumped into before. There's always something unique about every every situation. And so that requires, you know, a real flexible, customizable uh, approach as well. So that's the other piece that I like about our, and we have lots of tools, resources that, that folks can access, but we really do customize it based on what the needs are. Uh, of the church so I think those are a couple of things that set us apart yeah I mean if the church is a it's truly a living breathing organism in the same way each of us as individuals is uniquely wired so is each church right so Psalm 139 applies both as um, an individual thing and maybe even as a as a church thing as well it seems like to me and you talk a lot about um, some of the assessments and stuff uh, so I know the assessment part of what we do at Healthy Growing Churches is a big part. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how that works? Yeah, there's a couple different ways that I would talk about assessments, Beth. One, uh, you're talking about the assessment of an individual leader. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really access, um, you know, our partners, resources, and the ministry that Greg has reached, you know, recently launched called Healthy Growing Leaders which is all about you know assessing individuals and developing assessments for individuals and organizations and so you know we're we're convinced that for uh that we're convinced of a couple of things one everyone has an a game and that um sometimes you need some outside resources to help you discover that uh, and assessment is a great way to get after that uh, you know if we if we are if we're operating in our a game we have the best opportunity to be most impactful impactful for the kingdom so you know anytime we engage uh, a church we're typically leveraging some level of assessment of the individual leaders because we want to understand you know where are they strong where are the where are the strengths where are the weaknesses where are the challenges where are the lids uh, and assessments a big part of that the other way that we use assessments is uh, we, we have some very specific assessments on the uh, church side a couple that we've developed you know, and a couple that are some outside resources, but um, you know the two that we would use almost every time we engage a church is uh, life cycle assessment, helping a church discern where they are in the life cycle, and then uh, the the other one is church type, which is really helping a church you know identify are we a single cell, multi cell, or a stretched cell, mm-hmm. and both of those perspectives are 
you know, very important as we begin to have a conversation about, you know, what, where a church really is and what the best path forward for them. Uh, you know, those are two key dynamics. The other one we use is an assessment that Greg uh, developed for Exponential called uh, Becoming Five or the B5 assessment. Mm-hmm. And it really helps the church identify what level they are. So one being, you know, um, uh, in decline and five being kind of this viral multiple multiplication thing happening, three being growing, uh, you know, and where, where, where do they see themselves now and what do they aspire to? So we can kind of get a sense of, you know, where a church is, its perspective on, you know, not only current reality as it relates to multiplication, but, you know, does a future desire as well? Because again, you know, a few years ago, healthy and growing was okay with us and it's still okay with us, but, you know, we've really changed our end game and that we want a church not only healthy, but not only growing, but we really want them uh, multiplying on a micro level and macro level, micro being, disciple making mm-hmm. and macro level being, you know, uh, helping other churches get started. That's all we have time for today, but tune in next time. We'll get into part two and see what else is up with healthy growing churches. Mm-hmm.